I'm Bryony Kennedy and you're listening to the Beauty, Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. In the last 10 years of building Adorn Cosmetics, having three children and advocating for more ethical beauty standards in the beauty industry, I've become intimately aware of what it's like to wrestle with the different areas of my life. Every fortnight, I'll share the tears and triumphs that I experienced when starting my ethical conscious beauty company dealing with depression and caring for my children. My hope is that you'll grow to know it's okay to have imperfect days, that you are not alone in feeling like a mess, and that you'll be inspired to commit to small but bold actions each and every day. Welcome back to another episode of Beauty, Business and Babies brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. As always, I'm joined by the show's producer, Michelle from The Peers Project. And today we're diving deeper behind the scenes of my company, Adorn Cosmetics, and how it all started. Oh, I've been waiting for this episode. So exciting. I'm sure, you know, all the phenomenal women listening in would love to know, you know, how you got started with Adorn and how you grew it over the last 10 years, which is crazy to think about, while at the same time growing your young family and your your boys and, and all of that. So look, I mean, previously we talked about in the previous episodes, we talked about you know, right before you started the dawn, the fact that you were really struggling with that, you know, depression, the postnatal, you were in bed for that time. And you just had this kind of little desire to kind of do something different. Yeah, crazy. (laughs) Talk us through that time there. Well, I have to say to start with, I want everybody to know that I never had the vision that a dawn is today back then. It really was, excuse the pun, an organic evolution based on my personal wants maybe as a consumer I would probably put it down to there was some moments back when the boys were about nine months old where I felt that I need to do something that I'm passionate about and so I did start looking at teaching classes makeup classes so I just mentioned to a few people that I knew that I was going to start teaching classes and if they were wanting to put together a few people I would come and do that and I had another product which I won't name but it was a, a network marketing product at the time that had just newly come to Australia that I thought I'll sell that product and use that as the product that I'll put on everybody. So it was really just an opportunity for me to get out to educate women and just have a bit of fun and just, you know, I I guess feel like I had an outlet. And after a little while, I realised, one, I really enjoyed it. And two, that if I can help women feel better about themselves from a skincare and a makeup point of view, why am I selling another brand? Like I probably should have my own product and one that I really, really resonate with. And when I had my salon, there was a a visitor that I got or a rep at one point. And this is where sometimes you get these sliding doors moments and you don't really know why they've happened. But I had a girl come in and she gave me a business card and they were a manufacturer. I was like, oh, what, I've got a beauty salon, like, what the, I'm not, like, no, I don't, I'm not going to do that. But for some reason I felt this, I just felt like I had to keep the details, so I did. And so a couple, obviously, you know, when you think about being pregnant and the boy, it was only two years later and I thought to myself, okay, I remember getting this card from this girl, maybe I can produce my own products as you do, like hello, and just make something that I know women will wear just you know nothing too outlandish nothing too fashion oriented just you know your your core basics that everyone loves and and you know your tried and true classic makeup and skincare pieces and so I just thought I'm I'm going to do that so I contacted them and you know had many meetings around what sort of products I wanted and I guess the ethos that I really wanted to start out with And for me, it was really about creating a product that was natural. And I don't have anything against non-natural things because there's lots of natural things that are not good and there's lots of synthetic things that are completely fine. So I'm not like, yes, go for nature where you can, but that doesn't mean synthetic things are bad either. Like it's, you know, but for me, I wanted a natural product because it's going on your skin. And obviously I, I just wanted something that I'd feel was safe enough to wear and also you know if my kids used it would I let them use it you know that type of thing but something that had 
as minimal impact on the environment as it could. I've always been an avid recycler. I remember driving my mum nuts, pulling out the recycling out of the rubbish because I remember back as a kid when that became a thing, it would drive her insane because I'd be separating the rubbish when I was in primary school. So I was always really passionate about that and finding multi-uses for things and not throwing out things. So for me, uh, recycling and upcycling and and not creating the waste to start with was always something that I was really passionate about. And probably back then it wasn't really a thing. It was just something I didn't like. Like I didn't like buying products and they'd have a plastic sleeve, then a box then something else, and then voila, you've got a a bar of soap. It's like, really? Did I need four layers for that? You know, I'd have almost arguments with back then if I ever had to go to the deli or something and and you'd want something, I'm like, can I just put that in my own container or why do you have to wrap it in 50 layers of paper? I don't want, like, it was just, so for me, I just wanted something that was easy to use, that was natural, that wasn't tested on animals. Obviously, you know, I love, love animals minimal impact on the environment. So that was where my journey started. It was really just to create something I was happy to use. I've never had a business plan. I've never had a marketing plan, even right up until now. Um, I've just solely developed things based on what I like and what I'm passionate about. And thank goodness other women are on board. (laughs) Oh, they are definitely on board. It's, it's, awesome to hear kind of where that idea came from and I guess seeing what it's grown into today. I would love to dive a bit deeper into those early days. You know, you had this brilliant idea which you were like, I would buy this, like of course. And then, you know, you wonder, other people are going to buy this. You know, talk us through maybe the first two, three years of just getting this off the ground. Like what were those first steps? Oh, wow. So I remember, yeah, so obviously the, the business name was one thing um and the the name I wanted at the time wasn't my husband didn't love it and then I remember him sitting on the couch and I was explaining to him it's 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 like you know it's an extension it's a you know I I just had the idea and he said oh like a like a dawn and I thought oh yeah so hmm a dawn so it started off as a dawn mineral cosmetics We're, we're now known as a dawn cosmetics because we're not just minerals we have skincare now but for me it was obviously looking at the right name and the brand and how that was going to encompass everything I wanted but also being cognizant of the fact that you know I was a mum with two young kids we didn't have a lot we didn't have a lot of money at all if I'm honest we didn't have any money um and and you know I was like how am I even going to do this like I just where am I going to pull this money from like I just so for me I was continuing to do the classes making a small bit of money out of that and any little bit of extra money that I made I would use that towards the business um so I guess there's two elements of that how did I fund it and and because I I guess for some people they'd be thinking about wow I've got an idea but how do I remove myself from the workplace and how do I fund it like or how do I do both or do I leave do I so for me obviously I didn't have a job but I was at home and so we only had one income so I started the process of looking at the color palette that I wanted and the types of products and the ingredients and you know slowly while that I just didn't tell these manufacturers I had no money because they probably wouldn't deal with me. Like I just like, you know, yes, I do. So I just let them start developing all these things. They could just think what they want. And I was meanwhile thinking, how am I going to pay for any of this? So had that sort of happening in the background at the same time thinking, okay, well, I need to somehow fund this. So I then set up one of my bedrooms as a salon. And I thought, this is not going to work. Who is going to come to my house and get Brazilians and, and eyebrow waxes? Like, who's going to want to do that? And we're talking, you know, yeah, 10 years ago, like home-based businesses, not really a thing then. So I just did up some dodgy flyer on my black and white printer and thought I'll just do a bit of walking around with the boys in the prams. You hear my little double pram, leaflet dropping around the streets. Within 24 hours, I started getting phone calls. And I'm like, oh, my God, someone wants to see me. This is exciting. I was so excited that someone actually was going to come to my house. So I just built up a little 
waxing and, and very basic beauty clientele, like lash tinting and stuff like that. Like, And so for me, I started to make a little bit of money doing that. Um, I registered it all with the council to make sure it was all like, you know, right and had my little insurances in place because I just thought we just don't need any dramas. That is how I funded it. Now, I did eventually get everybody of my clients to sort of commit to one day so I wasn't having it all spread everywhere because to, to start with it was just her here like it was just all disjointed and all over the place but I eventually had enough of a loyal clientele that they booked for that one day and so then I decided okay that's the day that I make the money and then the next day will be the day that I can do other stuff and I do it around the boys for me, the next step was obviously having the products produced. So a lot of it was like while they were sleeping, I'd just have to try and do stuff while I was sleeping. And then I hired a nanny. So a lot of the money that I was making for the waxing while she was watching them, you know, I didn't end up with anything left. It was really that I had to say, okay, I need the nanny to help me out, to watch them while I'm doing the waxing. Some of it will go to her and some of it will go to, and it was pittance, like pittance of money. So it was a very, very slow burn. Like it just took a long time. And especially with the amount of SKUs or product uh, segmentations I wanted to start with, you know, in hindsight, I wanted to start with a brand that had lots of product range because back then there was only a couple of natural products and they might have just had a bronzer and then you had to like look for other brands so I felt like that was not a whole relationship with the consumer like I wanted to have a, a, a relationship where they just knew we had everything they trusted us they could get everything from us so in hindsight having a full range like that was great because we offered everything, but it took me a lot longer to build the brand because I had so much more SKUs to spread my money over and constantly fulfill. So it was really just selling, rebuying, selling, restock. It was very difficult, but I did start, I had this dodgy little back room in the house that we were living in. It was like a built on rumpus roomy thing. I don't know what it was. Um, and that's where I started to put my stock and I bought this little, I don't know, like a plastic drawer thing you get from like the reject shops. Got four drawers. I've still got it. It's just over there actually. So cute. I can't get rid of it. And so I was able to fit all my stock proudly in these four drawers. I was just beside myself when I was able to afford to have all that come in and just fit into four drawers. And now I look at this, the shelves behind me and I think, what the hell? So I had that there and then I, again, would continue the classes, but I would have my own makeup so what I then did was stop charging for the classes the classes became free but I knew that once I'd color matched women and that's the biggest issue for women the pain point for women I felt was and what I soon learned was that they the foundation the colors they just couldn't get that right and they wanted advice around that and once you got the right foundation for them they're loyal to that foundation most women you know, are really like, that's my holy grail. I don't go anywhere else. Uh, and once you get them there, then they're comfortable with other things. So for me, it was that education around the color matching and then just the simplicity around putting on some very basic makeup to make yourself feel a little bit better. No right or wrong. These are some techniques you can use. So um, I was able to sell the products that way and make a little bit of money out of it. And look, to be honest, sometimes it was received I guess these are things I never thought that would happen, but I I would conduct a class and as it got more and more removed from me, the people didn't know me as a as a person personally. They I had a lot of women that would just be like, "Oh, this is amazing! Like you, this is your products." Like, and again, at this point, all I wanted was just enough products to sell at classes. There was no adorn cosmetics as we know it now like it was not in my mind that that was going to be a thing I just wanted enough money to be able to stay home with my kids for as long as possible and do something I enjoy it was astonishing to me that some women in the classes were not nice and it was yeah it was that what, what do you mean this is your product and yeah real attitude towards it which I found interesting a little bit disheartening and probably a bit upsetting at the time because again you're probably feeling a bit vulnerable because you've just started your own thing and I was still obviously going through my mental illness and, and stabilizing that so for me this was my outlet that I was trying to feel proud about and then you would have these people pulling you down and creating that doubt like 
what, what do you mean? Like, why would you be starting cosmetics? Like, who are, basically, who are you to think you could do this? That that sort of that sort of attitude, and then the attitude of, oh well, I there's always there was always one woman. Uh, I've got children, and I'm too busy to wear makeup. I just I've got any time for this. Sorry. Why are you here? Well, correct. <laughs> this is what I would be thinking. First of all, you're here. Okay, but then part of my classes was I'd always get everybody to introduce themselves and what it is that they were hoping to learn so I could ascertain what to teach them. And then I would introduce myself and I would say, look, I'm a mum of young twin boys and I'd love it because the one that was horrible that was telling me she doesn't really want to be here because she's got better things to do and she's got kids and makeup's just a nonsense, she'd just look at me like, whoa, <laughs> you've got twins, <laughs> what have I got to say? Yeah. But I found that interesting, that dynamic that, you know, we are – I'd like to think that we're here to support each other and lift each other up and I'm always one to be an advocate for that. But I do feel, and I'm going off track, but I do feel that women sometimes are more often than I would like the worst enemies for each other. They're not the best advocates. They they tend to feel self-judged by other women's success and it's like you know what just because I've developed makeup doesn't mean you're somehow less of a person and so don't project that onto me because you are feeling that way and I and I would let it whilst it bothered me at the beginning I then realized that's what it is so I'm just not going to let it come into my my day or my psyche because I've got enough issues to deal with without letting you you know put that on me so it is very interesting and they're one of the things, the dynamics that I learnt with women and I think that's held me in good stead for sort of as I've developed the business over years and I've had to promote it and, you know, come up against, again, that sort of issue. For me at that point going to, the, I suppose, the growth of the business to get back on track, it was really starting it that way. Then I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll start this as a network marketing company like the one that I was selling. So I had a website slowly developed that way. I found a group of women that had been using Adorn and they were going to then teach the classes as well. Then I soon realised that was going to be a lot of hard work, just that management of that and not always maybe having that message clear. So I thought, no, I'm going to bring this back to it just being about the products and so a lot of money wasted on the web development of that and then just moved it to being an online store because naturally as I was going around doing these classes the women would be running out of makeup and they'd want it and they'd be ringing and I'd be like oh my god this is all getting a bit much now I'll start a website because I just can't handle the phone calls and so for me it was really this website was just to centralize uh, how the sales were coming in again at that point it was never I'm going to take over the world not that far from that but but it was never that never <laughs> that thought have. <laughs> no, no never that that thought process it was again it was just a natural evolution of okay this is the the point of the road I'm at what do I do now do I just keep taking phone calls fine if that's what you want to do or you know to manage this a bit more efficiently can I do it this way and you know developing the website at that point, I hired someone who to this day is is an absolute beautiful best friend of mine. So I hired her one day a week. Her name's Kate. And again, we're still in my house and a small little house. I didn't have any room for her to have an office. So my room that I turned into my waxing room had a waxing bed, all the waxing stuff on one side, a desk on the other. I gave her the desk and I sat on the floor. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, as, as you do. So no one can say I'm yeah. a, a pompous ass because I gave her the desk and I was on the floor. At least I had carpets. That was all good. So that was our little setup to, you know, to get things going. And she just helped me with the, the day-to-day running of stuff. And also, God bless her, helped me with the kids as well. So for me, I guess that was really how it all started. And, you know, the packaging, I look back at it, it was so ugly. <laughs> oh, wow, so ugly. So many, there's a few products there. I was like, what was I thinking? That was never going to work. You know, it had some weird diamond design thing on it. It was just, oh, wow. I've kept all of the packaging so I can do a, you know, uh, I suppose a snapshot of the growth over a period of time. But, wow, you know, it. Even just some of the marketing and the collateral, like I had no money and, you know, I had no idea really what I was doing. I was just going with the flow and what was working and uh, I can just laugh now at, at looking back at some of that because it was just, 
yeah, it was just wow, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It, it, I feel like this whole story is wow. You know, we're recording this in your boardroom of the most beautiful offices and all the girls are out there and it's just, it's so amazing to hear those early days. I think people could just judge you from what's on the outside and not really know that it really was a home business for a solid period of time. And I think, you know, especially as new mums or as women, we think that, oh, but we're just too busy. We've got the family. We've got everything else to worry about. We're trying to also still kind of trying to support ourselves as well. Like how, you know? It was, look, it was, I'm not going to lie. It was absolute Mm. crazy madness. And I I guess I have, I guess you have to be maybe a little crazy because yeah, it was very tough. Everybody I knew was like, oh God, Bryony and her ideas. Like what on earth? Like why would you even take this on board? But it's just the way I'm wired. I mean, I'm 150 miles an hour and that's just the way I am. And it was not easy. There was definitely a lot of ups and downs and having added that pressure to myself, but it was an enjoyable pressure. So it was definitely a lot of juggling, a lot of crying and probably the odd bit of screaming going on because I just put a lot on my shoulders but I kind of like the chaos a little bit I don't I don't mind it so you need to again it comes back to knowing yourself and you know how you work best I probably work best under pressure maybe not that much pressure but I do work better under pressure so I think it's just knowing yourself and I'm not saying that you've got children and yet you need to do it right now and get yourself to where I was at. That's, I'm not even saying that was healthy. It's just that it was what worked for me at that moment. In reflection, it was probably not ideal, but I'm not, I don't have any regrets about it. Um, it was just lucky for me that, you know, my husband and I stayed together. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, a bonus. Yeah, it was a bonus. <laughs> he still loves me after all of that. Poor, poor thing. Oh, but he only, poor. If he only knew what he was marrying. So for me, I just sort of feel that, yeah, for, it just worked for me at the time. Again, I don't want anyone to be listening to this thinking, yeah, well, okay, well, she did that with twins. So what's my excuse? It's That's not what it's about. It just worked for me and you need to know if it's going to work for you. And the other thing with having business is that, Yes, you've got to ju- jump into that that fear of it not working and the judgment and, you know, what if you, you've invested money and then you've got that other layer of, okay, well, wow, I possibly could lose money for us. So you need to understand what your risk management is as well. And some people can work at a fairly heightened level of that and other people like a real safety net. And that's okay. Like just work within the boundaries of what you're comfortable with. If you need your nine-to-five wage – that's cool. If you can be a little bit more harebrained crazy like me, that's cool too. Like if there's no right or wrong with it. But at the time, you know, I mean, my husband and I were filling samples on our floor. I remember we disinfect because we had floorboards. We disinfect the floorboards and then we'd lay out all these sample pots and fill them on the floor with a glass of wine And because we had the smallest kitchen it'd go from one end to the other and we'd just be filling them and then putting the lids on and then I'd have my family come and help me make up these little makeup kits and it was just you name it like it really was a home-based thing that we started and this the evolution of it moving on to a website as I mentioned was really to control the sales but then I started to think well people are buying it that way so that's how I'm going to I'm going to run the business like I I this is like a residual income now like I can you know teach these classes and and they can keep buying it and it's I'm eventually going to make money where I'm not working for it per se so for me that like I don't even want to get started on a website that might be another whole <laughs> episode episode wow <laughs> don't let anyone tell you having a website's easy it's just a shop front that doesn't technically exist Terrific. like it's wow it's just as much hassle and just as much money as a physical shop front but I do remember you know I went to one uh I think it was like a seminar or something and I sat next to this lady and she asked me what I was doing there and I told her and and, uh, and I was always a little bit shy about saying what I did because I felt like, who are you to, I don't know, I felt a bit like I don't want people to judge me like, again, that fear of being judged, you know, so I, was a bit, I downplayed what I was doing, I guess. And she looked at me and she said, why would you start a cosmetics company when there's so many of them? And I thought, oh, my God, you pompous asshole. Seriously. Oh. Oh. Pull it together. Oh, my God. Oh. I'm like, Wow. Oh. You are horrible. You know, and so I just thought, wow, this is just 
like, okay, people are just going to judge you. You just got to get on with it now. Like I just, and, and I guess I could have had that. Yeah. Like there are, there's, there's companies out there that are multi millions of dollars. Who aren't, who am I to start a makeup company? Honestly, come on. You got rocks in your head. I get that, but that doesn't mean in your own right, you're not going to be successful. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to find your you know, little hero of, of customers that just are so loyal that they're going to hold the flag for you as well. You will. Like if you're that passionate genuinely about it, you're not doing it because it's the latest fad and you think you just – you don't do things just to make money out of it because that eventually – people see through that. You, you have to be the passion that you are, are creating and, and naturally people will gravitate towards that and that's something I've noticed. I did get – so many people say to me, like, why on earth would you try and sell makeup, a colour product, on a website? No one. Oh. No one. You know, all I, I, you know I'd, I'd go and visit all these massive marketing agencies and branding and, and, you know, you name it. They all looked at me with distaste, like I had no idea. You're an idiot. You don't even have a marketing plan. You don't have a business plan and you want to sell your stuff on on a website and you don't really even have a core brand your brand is like everything how can your brand be sustainable natural cruelty free vegan australian made it's like it's a tart of all things <laughs> and that's what i started oh referring that's what i started referring people are like well so what's a donut it's, like, so it's kind of like a tart it sort of stands for so many things so many layers so many, it's what you want it to be like because I could never pinpoint, like in all these branding and marketing, I wanted just this one, what, what is your story? What's the, I'm like, but it, it's just so much, I don't know. Um, and that's become the strength of the brand because it speaks to people on so many different layers. And getting back to the website and people having an issue with, with you know, downplaying the success that could come from that, like you, you've got rocks in your head, like everyone wants to go to a department store. And, uh, well, I just thought, well, sometimes your restrictions become your, 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 the best thing that could happen to you because you have to work within those restrictions. And for me, I didn't have the money to go into stores. I just didn't have the outlay that would be needed for shelf space, for design and all of that. And again, it went against my philosophy of minimalization because if I went into store, and trust me, I had the opportunity to, I'd have to put all my packaging in outer boxes, out of plastic, you know, designer packaging that's unnecessary so that it would jump off the shelves at customers. Because we sell things just as, you know, if you buy the foundation, you get the foundation bottle, nothing else. So I couldn't sell into store that way. I probably missed out on a lot of opportunity and getting the brand out there quicker by not doing that. But I and, and there was the temptation, trust me, when you've got no money left, <laughs> I can let me tell you. But I always thought, no, for the for the end goal, this is not gonna. This is going against. So don't be tempted by, you know, really fly by the night. This is a quick fix. It's because it will be your undoing. So I continued with the website, even though everyone was against it. And I thought, well, how can people try the products? If 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 it's on a website, I I get it. They're probably not going to want to buy it that way. So I thought, well, we'll we'll put samples into the pots which is hence the on the floor filling them with my husband I don't have the money to give those away so I'm going to sell them and everybody again was like you cannot sell samples people want that for free and I'm like well they won't be getting it for free and if they don't want it they don't buy it it's as simple as that because again the restriction I've got is I can give this opportunity to people to try it to enter in the brand that is adorned that's trying to to provide a powerful luxury product that's got that minimalization of impact if they want to buy into that then they will if they don't they're going to go to the two dollar shop and get whatever they want like that's fine or they want to go to david jones that's fine too but this is what we stand for to this day like with all these naysayers that the website won't work and the samples you will never sell samples like we sell hundreds and hundreds of thousands of samples a year you know for me the samples are an opportunity not only for women to try the product, and it's it's a testament that the products are good or we wouldn't let you sample them, would we? Um, so it's a testament for that. You can do that in the comfort of your own home, but it helps minimise 
waste. So even if you go in store and you've bought something in a blister pack or you've tried something and you rubbed it on the back of your hand, that's not on your face. Your hand, the back of your hand's a different colour. The skin on your face is very different. The li- you know, your lips are a different texture to the back of your hand. So often what happens is people will try something in a store it's not really even really trying, it's swiping it. You go home and you don't like it. And, it, it you know, 70%, some ridiculous figure like that that I read, of full-size beauty products end up in landfill. And it's because they've had a reaction or, or, or whatever, um, not right colour, not right product, don't like the smell, I don't know, whatever it is. And to me, the samples are what I'm so passionate about. Please sample our products first. I don't want you to spend hundreds of dollars buying everything because you've fallen in love with what we stand for. Don't. Don't do that. Stop. Yeah, I want you to try it so you know that you really like it because not everybody's going to love everything about what we do from a product point of view. So try it. I don't want to be a brand. And, okay, it's only cosmetics, but every little impact collectively becomes the greater good and what's going to help this planet. And for me, I can only control, again, the moment I'm in and what what my circle is. And my circle is this. This is my, I guess, platform to help do one small thing. And if I can just try and help minimise waste... And not only the waste, it's the it's the beginning, the, the the start process, the emissions that are used to create something at the beginning. Let's not just think about things at the end cycle. What do we do with it at the end? It's the how can we not even make it to start with? Do we even need it? Because it's the emissions that are the problem. It's not, yes, landfill, but it's the emissions at the beginning. So for me, I was always really passionate about the samples and I'm so glad that everybody else is because we've been able to minimise our emissions by not making as as much packaging. Um, we haven't had to go into store and then the emissions to get things to the store and the packaging that you need to protect the products to get to the store, the products that don't sell in store that they want to send back to you. Then it, You know, I'm not begrudging the in-store environment, but it's that whole cycle that people don't look at to get those products there. So for me, having the direct contact with the customer not only keeps our brand true and what customers hear about us, but also it helps minimise, you know, the impact that we have on the environment as well. So, you know, a lot of what I started off with was definitely shunned by, you know, so-called experts. And I guess that, you know, women and, and anyone in business need to take away from that, that, you know, don't have to do everything the tried and true way. Like, you don't you don't have to stick to what everybody else is doing. If you're in your gut that this is okay, then do it that way. The worst that's going to happen is it doesn't work. Just do it again. It's a cheap university, really. If you think of it, I just think to myself, wow, that stuff up probably saved me 30 grand of uni fees. You know, okay, it might have cost me 10 grand of a stuff up, but it's still, I've learned it in a really quick time frame, not over four or five yes. years. And it's just cost me that. Like I try and look at everything from a, as I said, a worst case scenario and try and be positive about it. And, um, you know, there's been lots of mistakes, lots of money that's poured into things that have just been wrong. But I've always thought, okay, you can either slit your wrists over this or you can just get on with it and go, okay, even, you know now that just, just doesn't work anymore and you've got to do it this way. But the, the I guess the take-home that I want from this is that people need to know that you don't have to do things the right way. You know, spend what you spend 12 months doing your business plan. 12, I'm not saying going to it blinded. Know, what, know your product, know who your customer is and know the pain point you're solving. But other than that, do you need to spend 12 months writing this down? This Like just... I do believe action and then you follow it up with learning along the way. Just get in there, get your hands dirty, work within the boundaries of your personality and what you are comfortable with, know what that is, know what your risk is. And for me, when I started and realised a dorm was turning into something, I thought to myself, okay, what's my risk management here? Where, When do I say enough is enough, like financially? When have I put too much money in? And so for me, I looked at, okay, shit hits the fan. I like to say a few swear words. I'm sorry. 
apparently more apparently more intelligent if you swear. I'm I'm going with that. I'm going with that. This is your show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I looked at okay, if things go belly up, and I've got all of this debt that I've money I've put in, you know, hard earned money, but also money that I've I've borrowed along the way. If things go belly up, where's my line that I draw? And for me, I worked on okay. If I went back into a sales or a corporate role, probably am more qualified now and I'd probably end up with something different, run something else, you know, how long would it take me to pay back that money? So I thought, well, if I had to go back to work, I, I'd be comfortable with three years of having to work to pay it off, a bit like a personal loan or something. So that was always in the back of my head as a my safe goat or my get out of jail that, okay, when you've reached this point, this is where you've got a question, is this going to, is it sustainable for you financially and emotionally? Because obviously with those those financial issues, that becomes an emotional issue. And, and you know, emotions, people say take the emotion out of it. And I often do when it comes to money. I try to try to think of things without any emotion. I try to just be quite black and white about it. But if you have put yourself into a position where you've you've gone beyond your means, of course, emotions are there to protect yourself. They are there to warn you that you've overstepped the mark with your with the realm of what you can cope with. And so don't always look at totally dispelling uh, emotion out of things. But that's, for me, I always had that exit strategy in my mind that if things didn't work out the way I wanted them to, how could I pay that money back? And that's that's how I worked it. Oh my goodness. I love it. You know, I just think you are so passionate about what you do and, you know, for us listening in to realize where that stems from, like what everything that you've built, regardless of how glamorous it may seem, like it's just come from this genuine passion and genuine want to contribute and do good. And I think that that's so important to, and you've just hammered that home for us. Like that's so important for us to realize and I guess, take away from this. And then I think also you did really, that point you touched on when you said something else, I, I want to kind of deep, dive deeper into this, but when you said that the women around you weren't always as supportive as you would have liked them to be, and, you know, when you hear the whole realm of how it all worked when you grew, when you were really small, that for me kind of, that idea of that validation from others or, you know, the judgment that we get from others. I think it could have really in others, not, not maybe not you, but in others in that position have stopped them from yes. continuing. Yeah, I can understand. Yeah. yeah. What advice would you give to other women out there who maybe are even afraid to start because mm. of the judgment? Mm. Yeah. I, look, it is, it is hard because one of the things I guess I found surprising was that I assumed, and assumptions make an ass out of you and me, and it's very true, that family and friends would be the first to support me. But they weren't. Not all, but generally speaking, they weren't. And I think sometimes, again, it can be something within them that maybe they're not comfortable with because maybe they maybe a little bit envious that they wish they could do something like I don't know, or maybe it's the scared that you're going to fail and and they just don't want to pretend it's happening in case you do fail and then I I, I don't know it's sort of an an odd one like there's a lot that were supportive but then some that weren't and then there was a couple of people that I was friends with that that friendship sort of waned and it, it was you could feel that it was strained and it was sad really because I felt like wow um oh, I didn't expect this as a repercussion of trying to do something to make myself happy. And, yeah, I I guess it was a lot of thinking about that. And then I guess for me what got me through that to just continue it rather than ending it and thinking, well, no one's supporting, not no one, I don't want to say no one, but, you know, I, I wasn't getting the support from where I thought I would get rather than worrying about that. And, look, there's a lot of people that, didn't think I'd succeed than there were that did. Honestly, I think my husband is husband and probably my stepfather and my mum, probably my, my sisters as well. I've got twin sisters are probably the ones that really never, ever, ever thought that I would fail. Like genuinely no way. You're just, you will be fine. Like there was never a moment for them, but I, I know everybody else had their, Oh, maybe you should give up now. And so it is a bit of a struggle to keep yourself on track when no one else really believes in you. 
And then you've also got the weight on your shoulders of the people who have believed in you and have helped you in most cases for me financially, how the shit am I going to pay these people back if I do fail? Again, it's that whole sometimes the, the, the situation you get yourself in is in hindsight the best thing that's happened to you because it keeps you going. Because for me, I got myself to the point that I had that much debt that I had no choice but to get up mm. every day. <laughs> I either go bankrupt and say, sorry, everybody, for believing in me or I just keep on, I suck it up and I just believe in myself enough that and look, there were times where I didn't always believe in myself. You know, you have a moment and I think, no, if everybody else is, they're seeing something in me that right now I don't, I've got to just keep getting up. Like today, all I can do is make a few phone calls. Beyond that, I'm not going to think about it anymore. And it it really, I know I keep going back to that, but it, it really, for me, my only survival mechanism during those times and the first eight years of business were, I'm not saying that I didn't have any high moments, but most of it was hell. I have to say, it was, I don't know that I'd wish it on anyone because you know we it was just probably craziness what we did like what we what I decided was going to be possible and then you know the debt along the way with people helping me out financially because banks wouldn't the burden of that um the burden of living up to the expectations and and sometimes it is a burden when people believe in you just as much as it is when they don't Uh, so I was conflicted with that and it was that that I just had to keep going I had to keep going for the ones that did believe in me the ones that didn't believe in me I just you know at times it was disappointing and it was sad because I felt like then that was the end of a relationship because it was yeah it was more than them not believing in what I was doing it was them sort of removing themselves from me but again I think that's just where you have to come back to what is true for you and and continue with your passion and you know the things that are keeping you happy alive and healthy like that's that's what you, you just have to really look at things as an equation take all the nonsense out and just be you know practical about what you can do in that moment oh so many good takeaways i think for those of us who are even contemplating thinking of starting something or pursuing a passion of ours i think it's just also relevant, you know, whether it is business-wise or just genuinely a hobby that maybe we're, it's a bit outside of our comfort so we're not too sure if we should really take that leap. So we really love this conversation. Oh, <laughs> so good. Talk about hours, oh, couldn't we? <laughs> we really, really could. No, I love it. Okay, so what I'd love to kind of dive into in the last kind of segment of this episode is the point where you kind of felt that somewhat of a maybe after the eight-year mark where you're like wow this has actually worked out you know can you talk us through that feeling do you remember a moment where you kind of thought whoa Mm. what just happened you know talk us through that one thing that I guess I was never comfortable with was having my face or briny attached to the brand and again I guess I was going back to the salon experience that not that I ever have envisaged that I would sell a Dawn, but I've always thought that everything has to be sold or moved on or, or you know, Briny isn't going to be around forever, am I? Like, you know, so for me I always felt that from a practical point of view it doesn't make sense to attach myself to the brand as I guess the, the face of, but also from a, I don't know, like from a superficial point of view, I wasn't really comfortable with it. I felt a bit pompous about like, oh, look at me. Again, it's that who the hell are you to think you can stick your face to it? Like I just felt uncomfortable with that. So whilst I obviously, you know, did everything from the bookkeeping to the sales to on the phone to, you know, running events, speaking in public, doing colour matching, you know, I did as much of the education as possible. There was a lot of things I did where I wouldn't tell people who I was. I'd just be like, oh, yeah, I'm Bryony, and they would have no idea because I just wasn't comfortable with it. It's bizarre. I think because I learnt that so many other people were uncomfortable with it and they would change the way they speak to me when they knew who I was that I just felt like I'd just downplay who I was so that it would never be an issue between whoever I was talking to. So I guess, look, we got to a point, and there's so many more elements of this that we need to probably talk about, but just very briefly, for me, you know, financially, we had just reached a point where 
my husband and I had nothing left. Like, I mean, we had family paying for our food each week. Okay, so getting to the eight-year mark, we just, we were so in debt, you know, credit cards, overdraft, personal loans from family. We'd invested everything. Now, the issue for me was along the way, the brand and the the business was always growing. It would have been so much easier if it wasn't. Then I'd say, oh, it's not working. But it was working. It was just, it was, it's an expensive thing to start. You know, you've got stock. I'm not even going to go into that. Let's just not go there. But look, the issue was to keep going because it had to, because it was working. And, you know, so I did. But then we reached that cusp where I had a, a bit of a, a breakdown, so did my husband. It, the, the pressure for eight years had just been so intense that we'd just reached bursting point. And to be at that final week where we thought we are literally going to be in with our three kids living with our in-laws, like this is this is our life now. And it was just horrific to accept and... I thought to myself, the only thing I can do now is keep a dawn running until I can sell it. My husband's going to have to get a job because he sort of was helping out with our youngest at the time, doing bits and pieces for me. And I just thought, I am going to have to keep it going. Now, what can I do to keep it going? Maybe I'll start doing the tutorials like my husband, who's been in my year about Ever since I started, you need to be the face. You need to share your story. You need to share your passion. People like listening to you. Why aren't you doing it? And I was like, no, no, I want the brand to stand on its own two feet without me. So there was only that that I had never done. And so I thought, well, I'm either going to go bankrupt right now or I'm going to have to do something to keep this going until I sell it. That was really what I was thinking. So you couldn't get any more bottom than what we were at. And I, my staff all know this now, but at the time I had to keep it quiet because I just <laughs> clearly didn't want them writing it like, oh, my God. So that was hard because then you've got the responsibility of staff. Yeah. Like that's, you know, it's not just you. It's so many other livelihoods. So I went in there one day with, with Kelly, who's in charge of marketing. We sat there. We went through all our Facebook ads and we just we rewrote all of the, the, the content for it. And then I started shooting tutorials just little snippets about the brand and it was just literally in my one of my really yucky bathrooms it's not been it's just it's like the 1950s in there it's so like I have not renovated that but it's got the best lighting I've done it and it looked dodgy I was saying um um every five seconds it was just horrific like it was oh my goodness and so I just started doing those. There was just, it was on my phone. And and then all of a sudden, I remember being at home a couple of weeks later, because it always takes a bit of momentum on Facebook to get things, you know, shown to an audience. And I was on my phone. I can see the back end of the website on my phone. And my mum was over at the time. And I just remember scrolling through thinking, oh, there must be a bug on the website. The sales have doubled. That's a bit weird. Like maybe we've had, like, and it was weird. So then I went in the next day and I said, is something happened and then it hadn't and I I guess you know it just got to the point where all of a sudden we'd reached that critical mass like I'm not saying this one thing that I did changed everything because clearly if I didn't have the brand behind me and some of the customers and and all of that stuff that I'd done for the last eight years if that wasn't in place this wasn't going to work but it was the icing on the cake just putting myself out there and, and exposing my story and my you know, my honesty and the rawness around everything and, and the tutorials and not worrying about what people really thought about, like genuinely really thought about me because I was at the deepest level of shit I could be in that I'm like, you know what, I don't give a stuff what anyone thinks because I have got nothing left. I've got nothing left but you see me in my bathroom looking like hell, veins, capillaries, dark circles. You're just going to get it all, people, because I've got nothing else. I've got even like my dignity's even like on the line here. And so I think it's that, that rawness of I just, I've got nothing else. Like I have to give this a crack. And I, and I just did. And, you know, it was just, it, that was a defining moment because within a couple of weeks, our sales went up, you know, to the point that it was like 500% yeah, like a- astronomical amounts um and again i'm not saying it was just be- like it- we needed that backbone of it but taking that final step of not caring and really putting myself out there was that defining 
sliding door moment where things had a massive drastic turnaround. And so, and the last two, nearly three years, it's definitely, it's just been an ongoing growth ride, which has been amazing. And like, thank goodness (laughs) I stuck in there is all I can say. Thank goodness. Oh, wow. I just, I love your story. And like, because I feel like so many of us even get to five years and we think, Mm. let's wrap it up. You know what? We gave it a shot. We really gave five years. And it's just, I mean, if you invented five years, like I I know there's probably statistics around it, but like, this is where it's, again, don't be too stuck to the rules. And I think the fact that that learning around the fact that you never even did things like industry standard or you didn't stick to the rules and you were like, this is just the way we're going to do it with the samples and whatnot. And I think that is just so valuable. I think so many of us just whether it's even in a job or yeah. it's with parenting or whatever it is, this is what the book says, so I have to do that, you know? And I just think that the fact that it literally this honestly got built out of nowhere, n- not much behind you, you Correct. know, is just such a testament to that yeah. and to that thought around if you genuinely believe in it and you're at the point where it's like it is kind of working out, I can see the vision, maybe it will get there and just – having that faith, we so appreciate you for that because, honestly, it is just not always the case. Absolutely. So, oh, Thank you. I love it. Oh, my goodness, of course. Oh, Bryony, it's just been so cool, this this episode in particular, diving into your story with Adorn. We still, you know, as we always say, we could talk for hours, yes, have yes. so much more to get into. <laughs> and in the next episode, we'll be talking about a topic that many mums struggle with, and that is perhaps they're too afraid to open up about mum guilt. Yeah, God, so, we love that. Oh, we? we do love that. <laughs> I don't know if that ever goes. You've just got to learn to deal with it. <laughs> Bingo. The start yeah. trail of the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> Dealing with mum guilt. Yes. <laughs> Love it. And so until next time. Thanks, gorgeous. Thank you for listening to the Beauty, Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I hope there was something in today's episode that you found relatable and made you feel less alone. As women, we're all struggling with something on the inside, but we're often too afraid to ask for help. If there was something in this episode that you think might help another woman you know, please share it with them and let me know by screenshotting this episode and tagging me on social media at Bryony A. Kennedy and at Adorn Cosmetics. If you love what Adorn Cosmetics stands for, subscribe to this podcast right now and head to adorncosmetics.com.au to become an adorner and receive special offers on all things adorn. Thank you once again for listening and being part of my journey. I'll see you next time.